That's one of those songs you need to be careful as you're singing it. Because the Savior is always calling you through his word. And the attitude that we have expressed is that wherever it is or whenever it is that he calls, which he's calling all the time, that we'll be listening. That means we have an attitude and a desire of wanting to hear what the Savior has to say. And that we have that desire of wanting to be who he wants us to be so that we can be where he has prepared a place for us. But it is that attitude that is involved, and that's the challenge that is ours as we read and study in God's Word. Back in the book of Jeremiah, and in chapter 16, verses 10 through 13. And it shall be, when you show these, these people all these words, and they say to you, why has the Lord pronounced all this great disaster upon, against us? Or what is our iniquity? Or what is our sin that we have committed against the Lord our God? Then you shall say to them, Because your fathers have forsaken me, says the Lord, they have walked after other gods and have served them and worshipped them, and have forsaken me and not kept my law. And you have done worse than your fathers. Before, behold, each one follows the dictates of his own evil heart, so that no one listens to me. Therefore I will cast you out of this land into a land that you do not know, Neither you nor your fathers, and there you shall serve other gods day and night, where I will not show you favor. God is there. It's up to us to listen to his word. And again, the reminder that Jeremiah is talking to his people, God's people. Reminding them that their fathers had not kept the law, and neither have they kept the law. They have not listened to God. And we've just sung. I'll be somewhere. I'll be listening. I'll be listening for my name. He's called. It is whether we will accept that invitation or not. During his earthly ministry... Jesus often concluded lessons by the crying out, He who has ears to hear, let them hear. Said concerning John the Baptist in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 15, Let him who has ears, let him hear. Who has ears? Who has ears to listen to what God is saying? The only way that you will hear what God is saying is that you are wanting to hear what he has to say. And the people of Jesus' day, the people of Jeremiah's day and all the way back, said that they did what the life 
showed that they had not really listened. At the end of the parable of the sower, in Matthew 13 and verse 9, the same saying is given again. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Let him hear what the parable of the sower is. Let him have that understanding of what was being illustrated and how it applied to them and how it applies to us. How do we hear that word of God? And as he explained the parable of the tares in Matthew 13, down to verse 13, 43, excuse me, down to verse 43, he's saying the same thing. Let him who has ears to hear. Let him hear what's being said. How well do we listen? In the book of Revelation, as John has given his revelation, as the uh, charge is being leveled or being given towards each congregation that we mention, each one concludes with the expression, He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Again, notice the plural there. As he addressed each church, each congregation of the people, the saying is, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to all of the churches. Take time to read Revelation 2 and 3. Take time to listen to what's being said. Keep in mind who is he addressing. He's addressing the church. And as he addresses the church in most every case, he says, I know your works. I know what you're doing. And when the Lord says, but I have this against you, there is ought to be a deep concern for that church and it ought to be a deep concern and a warning for us that as we read through there and you look at their examples that are being given and you need to do a little background study on the churches of Asia Minor, the seven churches that are being addressed. You need to have a little bit of understanding what was in each congregation, what was their outlook on things, what were they noted for in their life. And when you do that, and then you reread Revelation 2 and 3, it takes on a totally different meaning. Because he addresses Christians where they are in their society, with their understanding of where their city is noted for, and then telling them, you need to be careful. And you need to make a change before it is everlasting too late. Are we really listening to what the Lord has to say? Look for a moment over in Mark chapter 4. In verse 23 and following. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Then he said to them, take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. 
For whoever has, to him more will be given. But whoever does not have, even what he has, will be taken away. Take heed to what you hear. What are you listening to? You flip through the channels, you can hear a lot of theoretically good things said by theoretically good people. But if you really hear what they're saying, you need to take heed what you hear. Designed to make you feel good, designed to make you comfortable, is not what God is seeking in our life. He's seeking us to do His will, and that's going to cause discomfort in this life as it did in His life. But the reward is what we need to be seeking for. Jesus had a problem in his day, and it still exists today. Many people simply don't listen. You can have the look that you're looking or listening. But that does not mean that behind those eyeballs and that mind there's something else going on. We need to be careful. Those heard him. Makes you wonder, doesn't it, at times, how one could hear the words of Jesus for three and a half years, who could watch the signs that he performed be the beneficiary of signs that he had performed and not believe that he is the Son of God. Would not be long after his triumphal entry into the city of Jerusalem that within a week they're crying, the crowd is crying out, crucify him, crucify him. Were they really listening to his words? Has that changed? His words are radical. His words are calling calling us out of a world of darkness and calling us into the kingdom of his marvelous light. The transformation, to use his expression in the common phrase, it's the difference between night and day. There's a totally different concept involved, a totally different life that is lived. Are we listening to the life that he wants us to live as opposed to what Satan would have us to do? Or they don't listen as to understand. How many times do we hear words and we sometimes tune them out? I do that with a lot of the religious programs I flip through and do it particularly a lot of times on political programs that come across. I'm hearing, but I'm not hearing. Do we do that with God? He's warning us, be careful of what you hear, that you do what's right. And as he's talking there in Matthew 4, you need to be reminded that he is addressing the twelve. He's not talking to the multitudes. 
He's talking to his chosen ones that he chose and handpicked. You need to be careful what you hear. And you need to understand to much to whom much has been given, they had been given much. Much is going to be required. And they would find that out as they continue to live their life in service to God. But he's addressing the twelve. He's addressing those who wanted, desired, were looking for, believed they had seen the Redeemer. Seen the Savior. Seen the Messiah. And yet they would struggle as time would go forth with keeping that commitment strong unto him. How well do we listen? There are three types of listeners we get to choose. In Hebrews 5, in, yeah, Hebrews 5 and verse 11, there are those who had become dull of hearing. And again, you have to remind yourself, who is he addressing? He's addressing those that had a knowledge of God. He's addressing those who had had the word of God. Those who had listened to it. They were not privileged as we are today to have that word available individually for them to pick it up and to read at their leisure. They had to go to the synagogue. They had to go to the temple and hear the word proclaimed. But they had God's word. And they had become dull of hearing. Oh, we've heard the same thing over and over again. What are we hearing or how are we hearing along the way? The fault is not with the subject matter. The fault is not with the presenter of the message, God's servants. It has to be with the listeners. They have become dull of hearing. We've become so accustomed to it. We've become so accustomed to having the Word of God available to us. We've become so accustomed to having a quote-unquote Christian country in which to live that we have abandoned it. And we're losing we're losing what at one time we cherished. We're allowing those who have no concept of God, we're allowing those who have no desire to do what is right, we're allowing those who have no desire but to live in wickedness and to portray it publicly, to dictate how our society will be. We've become dull of hearing. Righteousness exalts a nation, but wickedness will bring it down. The righteousness, the doing what is right, but we have some may have become dull in their hearing. Isaiah talked about that, and then Jesus records it as well in Matthew 13. Verses 13 through 15. Therefore I will speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see and hearing, 
they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear, and shall not understand. And seeing you will see, and not perceive. For the heart of this people have grown dull, and their ears hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts, and do what? And turn so that I should heal them. Isaiah was talking about that. True in Jesus' day. Has that changed? Is it a heart's desire? Is it our, our goal to hear that glorious word of God with a, uh, with a desire of wanting to understand what it is that God is looking for and wanting in my life? He's already told me. It's just how well do I listen to what he said? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart with all of your soul and with all of your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. This sums up God's word. But it starts out with loving God with all of the heart and all of the soul and all of the mind. It belongs to God. He gave it to you. It belongs to him. He wants you to use it for him. He wants you to understand the depths of his love. He wants you to understand the breadth of his love, the height of his love, and the width of his love. He wants you to have an understanding of how much he cares, of how passionate he is, that we would be able to hear, believe, turn, repent, confess, be baptized, and then to live this life with a grateful heart, full of praise and understanding for who God is and for what he's done for us and a life that we live. There are those who have itching ears in their hearing. Paul describes that in 2 Timothy 4, verses 3 and 4. They have itching ears and they're turned away from the truth. They want to hear something that tickles them, something that pleases them, something that allows them to be able to continue as they are without having to make any radical change within their life. Okay, I believe God is. Now I'm free to go about doing what I want to do. Oh yes, I believe that it's important to acknowledge the Bible being His Word. But then that doesn't have any impact on what I do in my life. doesn't have any impact on how I think, what I think, and what I meditate upon. That's me. That's my choice of what I do. But I have those itching ears. They want to hear those good things. And they got those out there. The Bible says they're out there, that there are people out there who would love to just tickle the ears. I mean, they have no problems in tickling your ears. Just make it sound pleasing and good to you and, and have no substance to it. 
Are we along that line? Do we not want to be challenged? Do we not want to be rebuked? Do we not want to be encouraged to walk in the light as he is in the light so that we may have that fellowship with one another and have fellowship with God above? They do not like sound doctrine that requires that kind of preaching mentioned in 2 Timothy 4 and verse 2. Preaching God's word. Preach the word. They do not like the word sound doctrine. You hear a lot of them talk and they say, we love Jesus, but doctrine divides us. Jesus is doctrine. He is teaching. His word is doctrine. His word is teaching. It's not the word that divides us. It's our response to the word. But we want to blame it on that. We just want that general feeling. Oh, I love God. I love Jesus. Yes, everything's fine and rosy. But let me live my life the way that I have chosen to live my life. Do not make any specific requirements upon me, particularly one that would restrict what I do, what I think, where I go, and how I act when I'm in the world and I may be by myself. What type of life do I live along that line? And there are those, as in the parable of the sower, that have that good, noble, and good heart. They want to hear and then want to apply. See, everything that we face has already been discussed. Everything that we encounter is already there. The direction that we head in has already been specified. But through it all again, we need to constantly be reminded, through it all again, with all the trials, the tribulations that we encounter, all the setbacks that, we, that happen within our life, God has still remained faithful. And he's always allowed us at any time to be able to repent and to come home. How can you not read the account of the prodigal son, as the parable is called, and not see the love of the father? You read that account again and see the life that the younger son lived. That the older son was willing to freely tell the father. You know what kind of life he's been living? Not sure where he got his information, but he seemed to know what type of life the the younger brother was living. And that response of the father, my son who was lost is now found. And my son who was dead is now alive. Let us rejoice. Let us rejoice. That's God working in our lives. We stumble, we fall, but God is there to say that when we turn back, he will rejoice with open arms. The younger son was willing to be a servant in the father's house. 
And at times I've heard Christians say something similar to that. Even about going to heaven. Just let me in and I'll do whatever needs to be done. We do not go into heaven as a servant. We go into heaven as a child of the living God who's opened his arms and threw, wide, threw the doors wide open. Come and inherit what the Father has promised to you. Come, rejoice, be glad. This is yours. How are we hearing what it is that God is asking of us in a life that we are living? It's important for us to be good hearers. But good hearers are those that want to hear and then want to implement what they've heard. How many times did Jesus say, go and do likewise? You've heard, now go and do likewise. The one who wanted to know who his neighbor was. And when he was told who the neighbor was, the difficulty, but he said, no, we need to go and do likewise. Go do what the good Samaritan did. The word good is not in there, but the word Samaritan is. We call him good because of what he did. And Jesus says, you need to go and do that. Did the Samaritan sit down and cost? You know, I'm going to lose two days' wages if I stop and help this guy. And I'm going to be put out a couple days because I'm going to have to take care of him. And it's going to set me behind in wherever I was going and what I was going to do when I got there. Is that any indication of what you read in the scriptures? It's not even there. It's not even a hint that it was there. He saw a man in need in what? He had compassion on him. And Jesus says, go and do likewise. Show compassion. How are we hearing? That choice is ours. The word is there. The patience of God is there. The desire for him to have you in heaven with him. You're saying about you want to be somewhere listening for your name. It's what are you doing when you've heard the name? Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall have rest for your souls. What are you hearing? Come unto me, all ye that labor. Are you laboring for him? Are you wanting to learn from him? He's calling. Simply because he had not used the name, per se, does not mean he has not called or is not calling you. He says, come unto me. I'm calling you to come unto me. When you hear that, what are you going to do? Will you respond to it? Will you respond to it out of love, out of gratitude, out of thanksgiving? 
Make that commitment to him. What I believe, again, as he closes out what we call the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. You go teach him to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always. Don't you love that? I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. You do his will. That's listening to his voice and obeying it. And I'll be with you always. Hebrew writer said the same thing basically in Hebrews 13 verses 5 and 6. The Lord himself has said, I will never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. If he is with you, what can man do against you? I don't know about you, but I draw comfort from that. If the Lord is with you, what is it that man can do? Jesus said earlier, Matthew 10, 28 through 30. Man can only take the body, cannot touch the soul. I have no fear of him. Trepidation now and then, but I have no fear of the one who can kill the body. Because I have to remind myself, that's all he can do. And I've already learned somewhere down through time that this physical body is not getting out of this world alive anyway. So that's all he can do is just shorten the lifespan. If I'm right with God, I'm going to eternity with him. The one I need to listen to is the one who can destroy both the soul and the body in hell. That's the one I need to listen to. Are you listening? He calls. The invitation is being extended. If you need to respond to it, if we could assist you, if we could help you in any way, Indeed, we bid you to come as together we stand and sing.